peace, peace, wonderful peace that we can experience as a result of the resurrection of Christ. Our Bible reading this morning is a different one. Uh, I've not chosen the story, the resurrection this morning. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story, so I've gone a little bit different this morning. We're going to read the famous uh, resurrection chapter of the Bible. It is, in fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I've got some selected verses for you this morning. Uh, it, is a, it is a longish chapter, but I wanted to uh, read to you some portions from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're not familiar with it, can I encourage you to go and make yourself familiar with 1 Corinthians 15. You might sometimes hear 1 Corinthians chapter 13 referred to as the famous love chapter of the Bible that you'll quite often hear at weddings. Love is patient, love is kind. This is the resurrection chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians written by Paul to the church in Corinth, experiencing some difficulties. They're going off course. They're struggling. There's bitter infighting. There's all sorts of stuff going off track. And Paul is writing to the church in Corinth uh, saying, hey, listen, guys, smarten up. You need to fix your ways. Uh, here is how you're going to get back on track. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As I say, some selected verses uh, to make sure that we're uh, out of here before uh, lunchtime today. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Everybody say first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, although some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James and then to all the apostles, and last of all, He appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those to whom belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God to the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Isn't that good news? As for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised... Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! 
What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it as a body as he determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that was sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised with a spiritual body. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, but the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. We will be changed. But the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and with the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Listen to this. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Praise God. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Friends, let's pray. God of grace, capture our hearts, capture our minds in this moment. Amen. <laughs> what happens when you die? This is the question for the ages. This is the question that Easter asks of each of us. Easter poses the really big life and death question to us all. What will your eternal destination be? Will it simply be worm food or will you be raised to immortal? Will these mortal flesh, as Paul describes it, be clothed with the immortal? What will it be for you? Can I suggest this morning that Easter changes everything? This is a game changer. Easter for the follower of Jesus Christ is more important than Christmas. Now, don't get me wrong, I love Christmas. We're never actually told to remember Jesus' birth at all. But as we remembered on Thursday night, Jesus commands us to remember him, to celebrate his death, to celebrate his broken body, his shed blood in remembrance of him. This is a, a time when we followers of Jesus Christ say, Yes and amen. We desire to be the Easter people, not just at this time of year, but indeed every day. Those of you who are regulars at Church of the Marketplace might have already picked this up in my language. I know every minister has their sort of pet little, little sayings. This is one of mine, I'll confess to your church. I love affirming that we are the Easter people. Not just once a year, but we are the people of the resurrection. It should define us every day of the year. We experience new life, abundant resurrection life every day of the year. This day is the defining day for us every single day of our lives because we believe 
that we experience new, abundant, resurrection life each and every day, both in this life and the next. It's not just pie in the sky when you die. This is not just fire insurance. As followers of Jesus Christ, we can experience new, abundant, resurrection life in the here and the now. Doesn't mean everything's going to be peachy. Doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. But it does mean that we can live with, it, with an eternal perspective. The author Philip Yancey, one of my favorite authors. Anyone else a fan of Philip Yancey? He's a wonderful author. Get into it. There's probably some books. In fact, I know there are some books of his out here on our bookshelf. Please go and help yourself. Philip Yancey writes, although most of us believe in an afterlife, no one talks much about it. He says, Christians believe we will spend eternity in a splendid place called heaven. But isn't it a little bizarre that we simply ignore heaven, acting as if it doesn't really matter? Another one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, I said, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, of the next world, that they've become so ineffective in this one. Isn't that a damning one for the church? The Christian church has become ineffective in this world because we have ceased looking to the next world, to the next life, in pointing people towards it. How we expect to spend eternity should impact us in the here and the now. It should impact and drive our words and our deeds. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about how these bodies will be made new. Hands up if you're unhappy with your body at the moment. I can put my hand up and I don't think, I'm not wanting to, to uh, push upon you a sort of body, body stereotype, but let's be honest, anyone my vintage or older, things start breaking down, don't they? When I, uh, I had a very, in my, where we used to live, I had a very matter-of-fact GP, uh, Russell. Russell was very matter-of-fact. He was a wonderful doctor, and um, he poked and probed me. He took his job very seriously. He knew I was the local minister, and he knew the pressures that ministers often came under, and he took great pains to look after me, to make sure that I wasn't getting stressed out, and, and, and he'd, also, he'd always keep me a little bit longer. I'd just go in for a prescription. He'd say, no, 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 let's do this, and let's do all of that. And, and when I hit 40... I started to complain, oh, my skin's really crappy, Ra, what's going on? And he goes, yeah, yeah, well, you're 40 now, that'll happen. <laughs> Left it at that, good luck with that. I have fairly crappy skin. Ever since I was a kid, I've struggled with fairly crappy skin. It always seemed to mend and get better. Now I'm noticing the cortisone have to really smash. And at the moment, I'm just hammered. I'm covered in spots. My body just has stopped recovering. I've gone bald, and I still get zits in the same stage of life. What sort of a genetic screw-up is that? I make light of my own physical ailments, but I know that many of you have really serious stuff on your plate that you have to deal with, knowing that these bodies, these shells that we live in, break down and they get sick and, and they die. What this wonderful chapter of the Bible, what this wonderful episode of history, this, this really crucial morning of history tells us is that the separation between our body and our soul is only temporary. Let me say that again. 
Easter tells us that the separation between our body and our soul is only temporary. We will be reunited, made whole. Our bodies will be made new. It talks about being sown as our bodies like a seed. So the image here, if you're not happy with the way things are going in your body at the moment, look to this little mini parable he uses of sowing a seed. He uses a kernel of wheat as his example. Paul, a fellow of Paul, is writing this. Only about 20 years after the death and resurrection of Christ, by the way, a little sidebar for those of you interested in history, he's writing at a time when people were still alive to refute what he was saying. If he, what he was saying wasn't right, there was plenty of people around to say, mate, you're full of it. So this is a, this is a, a well-attested piece of, of history, the New Testament. Its historicity is really beyond peer in, in the ancient world. We can rely on it. It is dependable. Uh, and, and he writes that, that, that the resurrection, like a, a seed sown in the ground, what it produces doesn't actually look like the original seed, but it is nevertheless still that seed of wheat. The DNA is all still there, isn't it? It is that kernel of wheat. It is wheat, but the seed that was sown is very different to the plant at the end of the day. So too with our bodies. So too with our bodies. It is a, Easter is a game changer because what is clothed in the perishable will be raised imperishable in ways that we can't really begin to comprehend. Well, I'm looking forward to my new body and I reckon you probably are too when you think about it. Is anyone familiar with uh, Joni Erickson Tata, another wonderful Christian author? She is uh, a, para, a quadriplegic, I, I believe, is Joni. And she is a wonderful woman of faith. So she has struggles that I don't know of. She says this, Somewhere in my broken, paralyzed body is the seed of what I shall become. Isn't that good? The paralysis makes what I am to become all the more grand when you contrast atrophied, useless legs against splendorous, resurrected legs. I'm convinced that if there are mirrors in heaven, and why not, she says, I imagine I'll see I will be unmistakably Joni, although a much brighter, better Joni. Isn't that something to look forward to? We believe in the resurrection of the body. I first came across this in St. Paul's in London. We're doing the touristy thing, Carly and I, when we were first married, and we went into the cavern of St. Paul's. Anyone visited St. Paul's in London? Massive big cathedral, huge big dome, with about 20 people worshipping in it this particular night. But the minister was talking about the resurrection of the body, and it stuck with me ever since. Because I think even we Christians think that we're just going to be sort of these disembodied spirits floating about. No, no, no. We believe in the resurrection of the body. This earthly life matters. We'll be resurrected, made new, but in a far better, brighter version of, of yourself. Ernest Hemingway, the great writer, said, too often we live as though we are a colony of ants living on one end of a burning log. The log is burning in one and we scurry about our busy lives. We go about our lives thinking it's so important when in actual fact we need to confront the reality that, that death in the body is indeed coming 
for each of us. Because of Easter, the separation of body and soul is only temporary. And C.S. Lewis said, Christianity, if false, if none of this is true, by the way, if you've been dragged along here by someone to come to church on Easter, if, if, if what I'm saying here this morning isn't true, then you can disregard it. You have my permission to go out and disregard it. And I tell the regulars here at CMP quite regularly, I'm not much of a golfer, but I'd much rather be out on the golf course on a Sunday than with you all if none of this is real. Paul goes and he says, as we heard read, if this isn't real, we are to be pitied more than anyone. If the crucifixion is just a story, if it's just a metaphor, if it's just a fairy tale, then we are wasting our time. As much as I love being with you people, church is really hard work, isn't it? Being nice to people is really hard work. Being loving towards people is really difficult, really hard work. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that this life matters. Our bodies matter. That's why the church has always been about looking after the body. Just this week, we've handed out parcels of food here at church in the marketplace for people struggling to feed their bodies. The church has always built hospitals. We care for the body. We believe that the bodies actually matter and we want the best for people in this life and the next. As we begin to finish up this morning, I want to leave you with a, an illustration about a, a grave in Hanover in Germany. Uh, this grave uh, dates back from the 1700s, from the 18th century. Uh, every once in a while, God does something to remind us of the truth that death has been defeated, that it has been swallowed up in victory. This is a photo of a grave uh, in Germany, a very famous grave. It belongs to a lady by the name of Henriette Julianne Caroline von Rulink. Henriette was a woman who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Yet oddly, she directed in her will that her grave be made so secure that if there were a resurrection, that it would not reach her. On the tomb were inscribed these words, May this tomb, bought for eternity, never be open. Well, God laughed at that, didn't he? In time, a seed, which had been covered over by the stones, began to grow. It slowly pushed its way through the soil and out from up beneath the stone. As the trunk enlarged, the great slabs were gradually shifted so that the steel clasps were wrenched from their sockets. In time, that tiny seed became this birch tree that you can see there, and it pushed aside the stones. The tomb had since become a tourist attraction and the subject of many ministers' Easter parables. Make sure this is a picture of you, friends, new life springing from the grave. Don't you want that for yourself? My prayer is that you do this day. I want to, uh, want to leave you with one final little, little illustration, another story, this time from the United States back in the gold rush area in a state, uh, Montana, out in the what, western part of the country. As the nation moved west, a great gold rush similar to experienced here in this country, of course, in a little town called Bannock, Bannock, Montana, back in the 1800s. There was a group of about six or seven uh, miners who were out prospecting that were attacked by Indians and had all of their supplies taken. 
So as they were on their way back into town, back in this tiny little remote rural mining village, they forded a, a stream. And as they looked down, as prospectors are wont to do, they dug around in the stream and picked up nuggets of gold, realizing that they had discovered a rich deposit and that they were the only ones in the entire world to know about it. They made a pact that day. They said, let's not tell anyone about this. Let's go back into town, buy some more supplies, buy some more picks and some shovels, and on Monday, six of us will come back and mine this deposit for all it's worth. They did just that. They went back into town, got some supplies, but they went back on Monday morning and discovered that creek bed crawling with fellow miners. The story goes that their smiles betrayed them. Their smiles betrayed them. Friend, may your smile betray you this Easter as you discover something far more of infinite worth than simply gold or riches in this world. May you discover new, abundant resurrection life in this life and the next. Ask yourself, where will I be the moment of my physical death, when this body gives way, when this shell that I inhabit for three score and ten or however long, by God's grace, you get in it? Where will, where will you find yourself? Where will your eternal resting place be? Jesus himself says there are two paths. There is a narrow gate, a narrow path that leads to abundant resurrection life. John chapter 10, verse 10. My favorite Bible verse, look it up. You're welcome to make it your own as well. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Have it in all of its abundance. May you experience that abundant resurrection, Easter life, in this life and the next. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for new life. We thank you that you have opened up the, pay, the way, the path, the narrow path that leads from death into life. Father, we say thank you that death has been defeated. Thank you that the grave no longer holds any fear for the follower of Jesus Christ. May we grab it with both hands this morning. May we indeed be the people of the resurrection throughout the year. May our smiles betray us this morning, Father. We be about abundant life in this life, not simply looking forward to pie in the sky when we die, but may it be evident in our lives, in our words and in our deeds that many more people may be drawn to you, may be drawn to this, to this resurrection life, life in one with you, life where we are free from sin and death, life where the Price for our sins has been paid for once and for all at the cross of Calvary, and we are liberated. We are set free, set free from religion, set free from having to earn your love. Help each of us to throw ourselves upon your boundless grace, that undeserved love, that unmerited favor that you show all people who turn to Jesus and say, yes, Lord, I believe. All of my faults and failings, this broken and hurting body of mine, these broken and hurting relationships, all of my sins, Lord, we leave with you this morning, knowing that you can make us whole once more. Come and bring eternal resurrection life to each of us this morning.
in this life and the next. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen.